just want to, um, really, before we do anything else, uh, can we just celebrate last weekend, you guys? I don't know if you got to make it out to the Easter services. We had um, over, not that, not that numbers are everything, but we had 1,700 people show up. And, and yeah, I mean, seriously, but also like way beyond that number, man, y'all, we had salvations in every single service. And that is just like, man, it is, it is a, um, it is a gift to be at a church that is alive with the hope that we have in Jesus. So I just, I don't know if you know that or like if you've been in a place where it's a little different, but like, man, what a, what a gift from the Lord. Um, I just, just want to say, um, as, as we start tonight, um, tonight we are going to be kind of talking about, um, just cards on the table, we're talking about leaving, specifically uh, Jesus leaving, <laughs> which should be fun. Um, we, because like, right, we, we have this picture of Easter, right, where, where Jesus uh, comes, right, you, you know the story, lives a perfect life, gives up that life for us and then defeats death three days later. Pretty cool deal. We talked about it last week. You may have been here. Um, and, and, then, and then we have this picture of like, well, like he got out of the grave, and then, and then over here, and then the church started, right? Which is, which is kind of true. I mean, like that is true, to be, to be sure. Um, but, but there's like some stuff in the middle that happens. And, and I just want to like make it super clear, I mean, that is a piece of the gospel, right? And, and so as we talk tonight, we're going to be talking about leaving. Um, and, and for me, uh, growing up, uh, my, my dad traveled a lot for work. I don't know if you experienced that. Maybe that's true in your house right now. Um, as a kid, I, I just never understood it, right? Like, it, like it was just very, um, like, it was just sad, right? Like, I, did, I didn't understand why my dad had to leave and go to a different state. I was confused by it. It happened a lot, right? And it was always like, man, we were having fun, and we'd do something special as a family, and then, and then he's out, right? As, as an adult, totally get it, right? Like, you should keep your job, right? It's good to be paid and provide for your family. That is a gift also. Uh, but, but as a kid, like, it didn't, it didn't make sense. Um, for, for all of us, we're going to experience these kind of leavings in life, right? We're, we're going to experience leaving a relationship. We're going to experience moving out, changing roommates. Um, we're going to experience, um, I mean, even just like if you're a parent, you're, you're probably with me on this, the like punch in the gut of leaving your child in some form of child care and them, maybe this is just my kid, screaming, daddy, no, right? Like, and you being like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what to do in this moment. And, and that's just the reality. Um, and, and it's also kind of, I just think it's the reality that the disciples faced, because, because they, man, had this moment where, where, man, Jesus was gone, but then he was back. And then he was gone. Like, he left again. And it didn't, it didn't really make sense, maybe, at first, that Christ died, that Christ rose. Um, and, and I think for most of us, we can answer some questions about those situations, right? For, for many of us, if someone were to ask you the question, hey, why did Jesus have to die? Like, that's not, like, if you've been in church for a little bit, like, I, I hope that you've heard it, right? Like that, that Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life, one that we could never hope to live, and then gave that life as our sacrifice and as our way to the Father, that we might know life in him eternally. Cool deal, right? Like I, that is the reason that Jesus had to come to die, because we are not perfect, because we've broken all of God's commands, and we needed someone perfect to come and live a life in our place, right? 
And, and so uh, we could answer that question. Maybe some of us could even answer the question, why did Jesus need to defeat death through resurrection, right? Now, that's a harder question, to be fair, but like we, we should have an answer. A, a really simple answer why Jesus had to come out of the grave is to prove that he wasn't a liar, right? Like, like Jesus, like his whole ministry is walking around going, hey guys, I got this thing. See that temple? Only he wasn't talking about the temple, right? He's talking about his body. Hey, give me, give me three days, I'll bring it back, right? And, and so we've got Jesus going around going, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna rise again. If he doesn't get out of the ground, he's a liar, right? Like that's just a really simple uh, fact, but he does um, and, and we'll get into some more of that today. But, but here's the question that I think we're left with. Um, as Jesus defeats death, hangs out with, with his buddies for like 40 days, um, and, and then leaves again. Why did Jesus need to leave? Why did he need to leave? Like, you should think about that. Like, what, what on earth was he doing? Like, wouldn't it have been better if Jesus had just been here for eternity, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? We could just go high-five him right now. Be amazing, right? But, but why did Jesus need to leave? And so here's, here's my hope um, that you would tonight, I mean, one, of course, like understand why Jesus needed to leave, but also see how in his leaving, he has given us um, hope and purpose and a people, really, like just being honest. Like, and, and you can see that just looking around you, but he's given us a people. And I want you to see what God is calling you to do and, and by his example for us, be encouraged and boldness to run after that. That's, that's my hope. Those are big hopes. We can't do that tonight. Like I don't have the ability to say some pretty words and make you go, I get it. <laughs> like we need, we need the Lord to show up and just do something in our hearts. And so can, can we just pray for a second and ask him to do just that? God, we thank you. We thank you for tonight, and Lord, I, I just ask that as we open up your word, um, Lord, that you would speak to us about who you are and what you've done for us, but also in that, God, that you would reveal um, just what you've called us to do in a very simple way, God. Help us to understand that and, and be empowered by your example, be empowered by your spirit. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, if you've got your Bibles, uh, go ahead and flip over to Matthew 28. Um, and if you're, if you're going there, if you don't have your Bibles, uh, but if you do, uh, go ahead and just like put a finger on Luke 24. Um, we're going we're gonna to dip around a little bit more than I normally like to, uh, but, but it's, it's so that you can see a picture of all the things that are happening. And there's a lot going on. Um, between Jesus's resurrection and Jesus's ascension. We're gonna leave out a ton of stories. Like there's a breakfast on the beach story. There's, there's just a lot going on. We'll, we'll hit as much as we can though. And in, in Matthew 28, here's what we see. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, potentially Mount Arbel. Um, and, and note that there are 11 disciples at this point, right? So Peter was running late. Um, I'm just kidding, Judas. Uh, and, and when they, that was such a bad joke. I just apologize for that. I won't say that in my notes tomorrow. It's fine. Uh, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Is that not just ridiculous, you guys? Like, like you just saw Jesus get crucified, and, and he's like, what's up, boys? I'm back. And you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about this whole thing. I would just say to this, like if you're praying for somebody and you're like, oh, man, they're never going to come to Jesus. They still doubt him. Hey, just look at the disciples, y'all. Like they saw Jesus in the flesh post-mortem 
And, and we're like, nah, I don't know about all this. So, so just something to consider as you're praying for people. And, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. So real quick, the language he's using here is it's, it's royal edict, right? All authority in heaven and on earth. So whatever he says next is going to be a huge deal for, for us, really. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always unto the end of the age, right? Um, Jesus is visiting people, right, post-resurrection naturally, People are going, Jesus, would you do this weekend, right? Uh, and, and so he's, um, he's, he's visiting a ton of people. There's actually a list in the Bible. It probably doesn't cover everybody, but it covers a lot of the people that Jesus visited in 1 Corinthians 15. So I'll just really quickly read that just so you can see. Um, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared, and now he's going to start listing the people who he appeared to, to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of, still, uh, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, which is uh, a polite way to say died. Uh, then he appeared to James. They're not just sleeping for the rest of eternity, just so you know. Then he appeared to James, uh, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So this is Paul writing this letter, right? So, so Jesus has appeared to a ton of people. Um, he's visiting people, giving them uh, hugs and high fives. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he's eating breakfast on the beach with disciples. He's letting Thomas poke him in the hands. Like all of these things are happening right here. Um, and then he shows up and he gives this great commission. If, you don't, if you're new to church, this is what we call the great commission. Um, it's, this, it's this mission that we believe that um, all followers of Jesus are called to. Yes, he was speaking to specifically 11 disciples, but it's an echoing of other pieces of scripture. And, and I would argue it's an echo of, of really the Mosaic covenant, right? And so um, this is an, a command to all Christians for all time, right? Go and make disciples. And, and then he lands the Great Commission with this statement, which is ironic in 10 seconds. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. <laughs> so Jesus promises to be with us forever. And then what's the very next thing he does? Leaves, right? This is, this is that bad high school boyfriend you had, right? This is, uh, I'm just kidding. Jesus is way better than that. Uh, but, in, but in Luke 24, um, it says, so, so great commission happens. Uh, Jesus knows I'm joking. It's okay. Uh, verse, verse 50 says this, and he led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So Jesus gives us this great commission and then, and then essentially rolls out, right? Like he, he I, I, don't, I don't even want to imagine or try to imagine too much what this looked like, but, but it says, uh, and they worshiped him, right? He, he was lifting up his hands to bless them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven, which is cool imagery also, but, but like 
confusing. I'm sure it was a little confusing for them, uh, but, but ultimately, uh, there's this moment where we see Jesus leave, right? And so as we consider why Jesus had to leave, I want to get, get some reasons off of the table. Um, I want to give you like two reasons it, it sh- couldn't have been that, but that maybe you've heard in church before. The first is this. One, if Jesus was still here, the gospel would not spread as quickly. Okay, so here's what that means. If Jesus is just stuck in his body, right, the people who love him, they're not going to leave him. They're just going to stick right by him, and they won't spread the gospel at all. They'll just hang out with Jesus all day because that's awesome, right? Um, The problem, that reason, I mean, the problem is the Bible, right? The the problem is that all throughout Jesus' ministry, Jesus is already sending people away into various villages all throughout Israel. And they're not going, no, nah, Jesus, I'm good. I'm going to disobey you and just hang out with you. That would be better. They're, they're going, right? And they're seeing fruitful ministries as they go. This is a silly reason for Jesus to live, right? Second bad reason, similar to the first, um, the church needed to grow up <laughs> and grow out, right? Um, with Jesus right there. Hey, the church will never figure out how to be the church, right? They're just going to rely on Jesus all the time, um, which is ridiculous because we rely on Jesus all the time, right? Like that's the whole point. It's the whole point, right? Um, this reasoning is, is a little bit like uh, me leaving my four-year-old. I have a four-year-old. His name's Elliot. He's awesome and wild, right? But it's a little bit like me just like leaving Elliot at the house, and saying, all right, buddy, I'll see you in two days. Hope you figure out how to feed yourself. Have a good life, right? Like that's, it's a horrible decision, right? That's not what's going on here. Um, the, the answer, or at least part of the answer, is, is found in what Jesus is doing during this time. Um, and, and really, I would argue, to this day. And so I want to give you, there are a lot of places we could go. I want to give you two sections of scripture that I think point us to what Jesus is up to. The first is simply this. In Acts 2, it says, In verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God. So real quick, um, it it just means that he was close to God, and the right hand of God in that culture would have meant that he is in the most respected place of authority next to God the Father, right? Um, And so it says he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So there's some like um, parallelism going on which just means the Father sent the Son, right? God the Father sent the Son, Jesus. And then the Son, Jesus, sends the Spirit, right? And, and so um, one of the important things that we'll talk about today that Jesus uh, has done during this kind of time is that he has poured out his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, on his people. Pretty cool. Um, second thing I want you to see in Hebrews 7. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. We're picking up in a little bit of an obscure place, um, but it's just this idea that Jesus is our high priest forever. But because Jesus lives forever, he is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So here's the second thing Jesus is doing. He is interceding on our behalf forever. So so I I want you to have this picture. In the first verse, where is Jesus? Right next to the Father. In the second verse, what is Jesus doing? 
he's interceding on our behalf. And, and there's, a, like, there's a prayer element to that, right? That, that Jesus is talking directly to the Father, going, hey, look out for my people. Hey, look out for my people. Hey, look out for my people. Although they have the same will and mission, which is awesome, right? They, they care equally, which is beautiful. But, but also, Jesus, in his earthly life, right, as he gives up his life on the cross, was the way to the Father, and because he lives forever at the right side of the Father, he is the way to the Father for forever, right? So he is forever and ever become our great high priest interceding on our behalf and making a way for us into eternity, right? He is our hope for forever. So that's a piece of the puzzle. But, but I want you to see, um, Jesus didn't just leave uh, for a purpose, right? Like he left us with a purpose, and, and I think that's, that's a huge piece of what's going on here. He says in verse 19, back, back to Matthew, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's, if, if this is a lot for you, and you're like, dude, I'm... We're jumping so much. Here's what I really want you to see tonight. If you, if you don't catch anything else and you're a follower of Jesus, the calling on every follower of Jesus is to make disciples. Like, like that's it. Like your job. And, and, and I know like even if you're new to church, that word disciple is kind of weird. You're like, I don't know. What the, I don't really know what that means. Um, and, and often we just go a follower. That's kind of what it looks like. Um, but the problem is like in, in our day and age, for us to use the word follower is just rooted in weird like social media language. It doesn't really mean anything. It's more of a like stand back and watch, right? And, and like if you're like 10 years ago before, okay, longer than that, before social media, we'll just go with that, uh, then, then you would call it like a fan, right? That's really what we view the word follower as today. Here's a, here's a better way to view this word disciple. Um, I, I would go with the term apprentice, that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you are an apprentice. Because a follower, somebody who's a fan, right, they're, they're just kind of watching in the background going, oh, that's awesome. Right, like I'm a, I'm a fan of some great musicians. If I'm at a concert, I'm not jumping up on the stage because if I get on the stage, I'm getting arrested, right? But, but also like, like, like I just don't have that kind of talent. I haven't practiced. I'm not jumping in. If you're an apprentice, your job is to get your hands dirty and, and do work. And you may do it badly, <laughs> but the whole point of being an apprentice is you've got somebody there who is coaching you and leading you and walking with you every step of the way. And so for us to see our lives as this apprenticeship to Jesus, that, that we're not standing in the background going, man, look at those... Um, We'll just do it this way. Professional Christians over there who are whatever, paid to do ministry or missionaries or, oh man, they can reach somebody, but I can't. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, hey, where you are at, you are called to make disciples. That that is the calling on your life. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This also is a gift for us on the days when we wake up and feel like we don't have a purpose. Like, you get that, right? Like, like I, maybe you've never felt that way. I have felt that way. And, and like, man, to wake up and go, what do I do? Like, what's the point of today? 
And, and, and so many of us, we'll, we'll do that with like God's will for our life, right? We'll look at, oh, do I go to this school? Do I go to that school? Do I go to this job? Do I, do I push for a raise? Do I wait? You're probably out of weight <laughs> in this economy at least. Do I, do I, uh, I want to marry this person? Do I want to find somebody else? Right? All of these questions. We'll just like magic eight ball the Bible. I don't know if you've ever done that where you're in your room and you're like, oh Lord, what is your will? Uh, go to Bathsheba. No, wait, <laughs> that can't be right. right? Like, but that's silly, right? Like, like here's what I want you to see. If you're going, what is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? I'm not, I'm not answering the like marriage questions or the job questions. Here's God's will for your life. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that God has commanded us to do. Hey, that, that's, not, that's not, hey, pastors. Hey, missionaries. Hey, people who are super spiritual, People who listen to VeggieTales as kids and know the Bible really well. Like that's not, this is believer. Your goal, your job. You don't have to guess. You don't have to have a vision board or a prayer journal. Like God tells us, right? Like it's not, it's not hidden. The good news is that Jesus didn't leave us alone in that. Right, um, and, and so the, the second thing that I want you to see as we're looking at this, this is why Jesus had to leave, is Jesus left us his spirit. Jesus left us his spirit. He, he ends, right, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, and then uh, ducks out. But in, in Acts 2, it says, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses to it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has promised or poured out what you now see and hear. Jesus is the Son of God. We have the Father, God the Father. We have God, the Holy Spirit. All um, separate but co-equal in glory, eternality, and will. And if you're like, what's all that mean? Here's what I mean. They all act in unison. They all care about the same things. They all have the same heart, right? And so... So God, the Father, right, sends Jesus. Jesus sends the Spirit. Um, and, and, and here's the real gift. In Jesus leaving, Jesus in his earthly life is in a single place at a single time in history. The Spirit is a continuation of this beautiful story in the Bible of God coming after us. That, that no longer, okay, so like just big picture of the Bible. We talked about this in communion a couple weeks ago. Um, in the beginning, we walked with God in the garden, right? Like, like it literally says that. I'm not making that up. That's not Alec talking. That's literally just, just read like Genesis 1 and 2, okay? Um, and so we start there, right? And it's this beautiful picture of fellowship. And then fellowship with God gets broken because of our own choices. And the rest of the Old Testament is this story of God trying to bring us back into fellowship with him. And so you've got the tabernacle and you've got sacrifices and you've got the temple, right? Where, where we can actually, like there's a, a holy of holies and we can go just for a second, be in the presence of God as we're ritually clean. It's a whole thing, right? We just read the Old Testament. There's some wild stuff in there. And then we've got God's prophets, right? Sent to man to literally just directly communicate to us what God wanted us to know. And none of it brought us rightly back into fellowship with God couldn't fix it. And so God sends his son 
Jesus to us, right? It's this beautiful picture of we couldn't fix it before, so we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm coming to you, right? If you can't, can't fix it, do, just do it yourself. And so Jesus comes to us and then, and then walks with us. It's this beautiful picture, right? We're back in the garden. We're with God. And the Holy Spirit is for all of God's people for all time, forever. That there would never be a moment where we're, you're without the presence of God. In your best days, in your worst days, God is with you. He's with you forever. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us, dwelling among God's people every day for forever. He is, just according to scripture here, our comforter. He is pointing us to Christ. He is revealing the meaning of scripture to us, right? Like, like you're not, none of us are smart enough to look at the Bible and be like, I get it. <laughs> What's next? He is bearing fruit in our lives. Some of y'all know the fruit of the Spirit. You could sing me a song if you wanted to. Please don't. Um, he is convicting us of sin. That's in Scripture, right? And, and I want you to hear this because I want you to really understand. If, if you're doing those things, if you're experiencing comfort, that is not because of you. That is because of the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer. If, if you are like waking up in the morning and something just points you to Jesus, that is not you. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in you. If you're reading scripture and, and all of a sudden uh, just a light bulb clicks on and you're like, whoa, hey, I never, like I never thought about it this way. It's not because you're super smart, okay? Like I know, like maybe you actually are, okay? I don't want to argue with that. It's because the Holy Spirit in his kindness revealed to you the meaning of scripture. That's what's happening, right? If you are bearing fruit in your lives, and, and we can just talk about a couple of them, if you have peace and joy and patience, kindness, like those sorts of things are just rolling out of your life. That is not because you are always awesome. It is because the Holy Spirit has done something in you. If you are convicted of sin, I, I'm not talking you're ashamed because somebody called you out. That's different. Let's be super clear about that. If, if you are convicted of something that you've done that you know violates the will of God as revealed in the Bible, that is not because you are hyper aware of yourself. That is because God in the Holy Spirit has revealed it to you, right? That is a gift. The Holy Spirit, here's what I want you to see, transforms the people of God changes us. We, we recognize we're not our own anymore. We, we begin to recognize what matters. And, and then here's the thing that I want you to see. We're gifted a community to grow in, right? Jesus left us a people. Um, when, when the Spirit was sent to us, right, the church changed. When the Spirit was sent to us, the church was transformed. Um, in, in Acts uh, the book of Acts, it really says this. They, this is describing the early church. And you, you've probably heard this, but I want you to see it in the light of this is not everyday life. This is a people transformed by the Holy Spirit. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone is filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. <laughs> Now, let's, let's be clear, that's not talking about um, wealth levels, okay, or um, education, 
or political beliefs, or this is talking about, hey, they shared everything. And, and we're going to get into this. It's, it's just beautiful, but it's this picture of, of when people are in need, they took care of one another. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, where were the disciples before the Spirit came? They were terrified. They were sitting in the upper room, hanging out, going, what happened? Jesus is out, and we've got, we got nothing to live for. Like, we, just scared. This is a transformed people. This is a people who experienced something completely different, and it challenged the way that they were living, thinking, and behaving towards one another. Um, there, there is, um, I actually learned about this like a week ago, <laughs> um, England is crazy in some ways, y'all. Um, and, and like, don't, we're not talking politics. Here's what I'm talking about. Um, there is a town called Gloucester. Um, if, if you're in America, you would read it Gloucester. Have y'all heard of it? Yeah. Cool. So there is a 200-yard hill in Gloucester. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, so just like, give me, give me grace, y'all. But, but here's the thing. Um, they take an eight-pound wheel of cheese and, and about 14 people gather at the top of this hill. And the whole hill, y'all, like it's like vertical down at places, right? Uh, and, and so they take this wheel of cheese and somebody, I don't even know who, chucks it down the hill. And then all 14 people race to the bottom as fast as they can to get to the bottom. And whoever wins gets the cheese, right? Like that is the, that's the entire activity. Um, we're going to make it a student ministry game next week, I'm sure. It's awesome. Uh, but, but here's the deal. The whole way down, I'm not kidding. Like if you have time and you're like, I'm talking real time, like two or three minutes, um, look this up because people are like breaking bones, tumbling all the way down. Some people's strategy is to just roll the whole way. It, it's impressive. It's something special to behold. So um, England, for whatever it's worth. Here's the deal. Outside of Jesus, that is us, y'all. That, that, and I know you're like, what? Jesus, no, Jesus. Here's what I mean. That we believe that there is this like scarcity and we've just got to topple over each other in any way we can to get to the bottom of the hill to get what we're after. That's humanity, y'all. That's the picture of our hearts outside of a transformed life. That, that we will do whatever it takes and whoever we have to hurt along the way to get to whatever we believe the good life is. When you look at the kingdom, we have generosity, peace, thanksgiving, hope, God's power displayed in communities, and genuine friendship. If we don't look different from the rest of the world, that's on us, y'all. That, that, this should be where our lives look more like culture than they look like this little section of Acts. Something is broken. And where we see this as a gift, where we see this Holy Spirit transform 
forming men and women in our church community into this beautiful kind of ridiculous generosity of caring for one another, of putting others' needs before ourselves, of outdoing one another in honor. Y'all, we need to recognize that and be grateful because that's not on us. Y'all, that's the Holy Spirit acting among us. And what a gift. The Holy Spirit transforms men and women into Christians who can follow Jesus wherever he leads, wherever he leads. And so I just, I just here is the invitation tonight, is that um, when we look at Jesus leaving, he has given us this, man, Holy Spirit, he's given us his spirit, he's given us this people, but he's also given us this purpose. And so if you're here tonight and, and you're going, I just kind of attend church and like I'm kind of bored by Christianity, I would just challenge you, hey, hey, what does it look like to get connected to this purpose that Jesus has for your life? Because straight up, and, and I, I'm, hear me out, y'all, I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to anybody. If you're pursuing the purpose and people and person of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will not be bored with church anymore. And, and, and I don't just mean church, I mean with like following the Lord. And, and so here's the really beautiful gift that Jesus gives us in leaving. He has invited you into his mission. He's invited you into fellowship with God. He's invited you into his people. And, and I just want to challenge you. If there's an area of that, man, where you go, man, I'm, I'm just like, I'm disconnected from the purposes of God. I'm disconnected from fellowship with the Lord or I'm, I'm not in community with his people. Man, it is a great time for you to consider those things, to just recognize where you are and run with everything that you have in you and not just your strength, but God's strength working in you towards what God is calling you tonight. Let me, let me pray for you. Um, God, we are grateful that you, God, left us this purpose that you left us your spirit, that you left us, honestly, even this people that we're gathered with tonight, God. Um, we, we pray, God, honestly, Lord, I, I'm gonna pray that you would make our church family this just wildly generous, transformed people of God who live for your glory and, and just have a deep gut-level desire to see people rescued to see people um, discipled and brought along. Not so that we can go, wow, I mean, look at the creek. But forget that. We, we want to glorify you, God. Help us to do that. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.